Now the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, Go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When the disciples heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have the disciples brought to them. But when the temple police went to the prison, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened the doors, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. The captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, They had the disciples stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted Jesus at God's right hand as leader and savior that Jesus might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. We pray that ancient words might become living words among us, that we would have the courage to speak when it is our turn. To your glory and for the healing of the nations, we pray. Amen. Most of us are aware of uh, consequences that occur when we talk when we shouldn't be talking, right? Any of the kids in school today know there are times when you're not supposed to talk. And when you talk, when you're not supposed to talk, there are consequences. You can get grounded. You can have detention. Some of us at home uh, have had occasions where we've spoken to our spouse when we probably should not have spoken. And we've endured the consequences, haven't I? Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's at work. Sometimes you just can't help yourself, it seems. You just say it before you think. And a few of you have had the occasion of being stopped by a police officer and perhaps saying some things that you wouldn't say in retrospect, and you know the consequences. So consequences were speaking when you shouldn't speak are clear. What are the consequences when you 
should speak, but don't speak? What are the consequences for those moments when it's your turn, it's your time, it's your moment to say a word, to speak a word? Maybe a word of healing, a word of blessing, maybe a word of correction or or instruction or a word of caution. A word that speaks justice into into a context of injustice when it's your time to speak and you don't speak. What happens? I'm not sure what causes us, what it is that shuts our mouths in those moments. When we're usually talking more than we should, but in this occasion, we button it up. What, what, what is that? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it a concern that we might be perceived as being too pushy to know-it-all? We're concerned about the quote by Abraham Lincoln, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. Some people are concerned. They don't want to be made a fool. Silence seems safe. But the result, the consequence is that an opportunity to pull in the direction of God, of goodness, of life, is missed, missed. And how is the world affected when we're silent? I want to ask this morning about the courage to speak God's dream into the world. For you see, I believe this isn't just about preachers and people like me who are pegged off the chart extroverts, but it's for every person in the room. If you're a child, there's a time when you as a child can speak truth into a situation that none of the rest of us can. If you're a senior adult, there are contexts and moments in your life where you're the one. You're the one that's called on by God to speak this word of truth. To plant seeds of resurrection and of hope, of of an alternate vision for how the world could be. How the world God dreams could become reality. We're it. The choir sang it. We're the hands. We're the feet. We're the voice. So for the next several weeks, we're going to reflect on these stories from this fifth book in the New Testament called the Acts of the Apostles. This morning, I want to look at the courage they have to speak, even to to temporarily transform the world around them. What would it be like if the church today were like the church in Acts? What if we acted up, as in the book of Acts, spoke God's dream into the world? It's what this is all about, you know. We come to church not just to sing nice songs and go through these rituals. It is to be equipped to be the people of God. You are the people of God. Jesus told his disciples, as the Father sent me, so I now send you. He wasn't just talking to the twelve. He's talking to us. When he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, he wasn't just talking to the people in front of him. His voice echoes through the years to this very present moment. What does it mean to preach good news to all the world? There are sort of two schools of thought about what the good news is. Some prefer to preach the good news about Jesus. But I want to suggest that the call is to preach the good news of Jesus. 
The good news about Jesus or the good news of Jesus? The good news about Jesus is is the religion I grew up in. It's about Jesus. It's about him coming and living and dying on the cross to save us from our sins. And if you believe that this happened and you say it out loud and get baptized, then when you die, you get to go to heaven. I believe all of those things. But if it's just the good news about Jesus, then Jesus gets reduced to kind of a secret password. Like back in the old speakeasy days when you wanted to get into a a club, you had to come to the door and knock and they'd open a little thing and they'd say, what's the password? You had to have the password. Good news about Jesus turns Jesus into a password. As if when you get to heaven and St. Peter stands at the gate... He says to you, what's the secret password? And if you know the answer is Jesus, well, you're welcomed in. But if not, I'm sorry, you've got to go to the other place. Surely there's more. Surely there's the good news of Jesus. The message Jesus came to bring into the world. The reason they killed him in the first place. Richard Rohr says that Jesus has a message of good news which says that God has a bias from the bottom. That God loves all people equally, but that God has a preferential option, a preferential concern for the poor, the left out, the victims, the oppressed. He saw them. Other people didn't see them. They were blind to those who were being oppressed. Jesus saw them, named them, spoke to them engaged them, healed them, included them in the, the community of the twelve, and they were part of, the, part of the, the, the message that went out. This preferential option to see those in need and to help those of us who are blind to see them is the message he came to bring. In fact, he would say that the only authenticity, the only authority that any religious group, any political group has, is if it aligns with this God, who is a God of abundance, a God of harmony, that doesn't try to make everyone look and act and sound just exactly alike, but can take all that we are and pull it toward the good and harmonize it and bring goodness from it. This is the truth that transcends all of time. It wasn't just for his day. It's for 2016 in Louisville, Kentucky, in the United States of America, this day, this time. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but not my word. My word will not pass away. And what is that word? It's the good news that God's love is for everyone. This is a reality that is somehow missed by the proponents of the good news about Jesus. It's overlooked, it's ignored, it's layered over, and sometimes it's even opposed. Because the reality is that sometimes the good news of Jesus collides with the privileges of those of us who might be prone to preach the good news about Jesus. And if you wonder if what I'm saying is accurate, I invite you to read your New Testament. Reread the Gospels. 
Reread the teachings of Jesus, especially his parables, and see how they're focused. See where they're focused. Look at his miracles. Look who he heals, who he speaks to. Read his Beatitudes. Read read the Nazareth Manifesto in Luke chapter 4. Or read the book of Acts. The story of Acts has these disciples. They're just fresh. They, they, They have no church. They have no structure. They don't have a Bible. They don't have hymnals. They don't have a building. They have no uh, bona fides, there are no credentials at all, but they're just out preaching this good news of Jesus that God loves all and includes all. And for some reason, it threatens the religious authorities and causes them to be jealous. Because they can see the people are flocking to the disciples because they're speaking with a kind of authority that has power that people want to go to because it just exudes. God. It's what God's about. It's true. It smells of God. It tastes of God. And so they arrest him. Put him in the public prison. Lock the door, put put a jailer in front. It reminds me of the week before, as we talked about Good Friday, killing Jesus, rolling the stone, putting the guard in front, silencing the message. But verses 19 and 20 tell us that during the night, an angel opened the prison doors and brought them out. I don't know what this means except to say that God will not be silenced. Go stand in front of the temple, says the angel. Tell the people, I love this, the whole message about this life. And they did. They did. They weren't worried about going back to jail. They just went out and began talking. Where does that come from? That courage to stand and speak a truth that may be unpopular to some, but is ultimately good news for all. Where does that courage come from? Courage is discovered, I think, rather than created. It's discovered when your heart is aligned with God. When you feel the love of God, when you you recognize that this world was built with love caked, baked into the batter of of, of creation. It's not just an add-on later like icing to a cake. It's baked into the cake of creation. And that each one of us individually are loved and blessed and forgiven by this God and invited into this beloved community. When one awakens to this, you want to love in return. Not because you have to, but because you get to. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to join God in the work of love. And then comes Easter, where Jesus, who was dead, comes to life again, and you realize that this love never dies. That the love God gives never dies, and that the love we can give never, ever dies. It takes a different form. It may take different manifestations. The risen Christ was different than the the crucified Jesus, but it's eternal. It lives on. And you find yourself embraced by and embracing resurrection. 
life. Life that never ends because it becomes your identity. It's not just a belief system. It's not just an argument you make. It's who you are. Gil Fraser's a minister in South London, a tough part of that capital city. He wrote that resurrection is our word for how to go on in the face of overwhelming odds. Resurrection is the Christian term for defiance. I love that, defiance. Multiple ways that we push back against the darkness. What makes this quote so powerful for me is knowing the place in which he ministers. St. Margaret's in South London, a a tough, tough place. On Easter morning, a car uh, sped through their parking lot and crashed into a brick wall. Four men got out of the car, began fighting each other, got back in the car, and drove off. Three times that day, the church had to call the police. Last year, this church's fellowship hall was burned down when some bored teenagers had some matches and didn't have anything to do. Their lot, their lawn, their gardens are all strewn with heroin needles from people who reside outside. It's a church that uh, Hitler's bombs almost leveled to the ground. Now they're in a poor neighborhood, no money, no way to fix the heating. But there's a group of people there who believe in resurrection, who will speak the truth into that kind of context. They picked up all the heroin needles. They planted daffodils. In the middle of this bombed-out section of London, they planted daffodils. And they've opened their church building for people to come and eat and sleep. The pastor said, I had my turn doing daily breakfast duty. Bacon and eggs for 20. Do I believe in the resurrection, he asks? Of course I do. And I believe in it. By frying bacon and refusing to give up. Refusing to give up. You see, resurrection isn't some fancy intellectual idea. It's an action. It's a way of speaking into the world that God's love lives in and among us. So that when we see injustice, either happening to us or to another person, we speak. We speak it out. When we see the world crying, we cry with it. When we see the world bleeding, we bleed with it. When we see the need for light, we shine into it. It's not scripted. It's not scripted. Church is scripted. But when we walk out of here, life is not scripted. It just happens. And you don't go trying to be courageous or trying to be a hero. You just see what you see with the opened eyes of faith. And you speak the word that is not your word. It's God's word. It's a word of who we are. We're people of resurrection. We believe that God is not done. Every once in a while I hear people say, well, Highland Baptist Church, you're that liberal church. I don't know about liberal. What I know is this. We are led by Jesus to a God of abundance, 
a God of extravagance, a God of harmony, and a God of resurrection, and we live into it. This week, someone asked me, how do you know when God speaks? He said, I I really don't hear any voices. I said, that's good. It's good that you don't hear voices. (laughs) But for me, you know God is speaking to you. When you see the purveyors of scarcity, the purveyors of scarcity, hawking their wares of division and fear, of animosity and polarization, and you feel it, you feel a clash, there's God. There's God. And when you feel that thing welling up in you, that's the voice of God in you waiting to be spoken into the world. God is the connection of humanity to all that is good. God connects us to all that is good. I love that in English, the word God and the word good are separated just by one letter, as if the word good is God sort of spread out. God, good. God is the good that God wants to connect us to and work in. The creation story is all about good, good. It's baked into creation from day one. Oh, that's good. Day two, day three, good, good, very good. God's goodness and love, it's who we are. And so on Palm Sunday, when they put their cloaks and the palm branches and welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, and they said, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the religious leader said, teacher, tell your people to stop. And Jesus said, I tell you, if these were to stop, the stones would start shouting. And as if on cue, the next Sunday, the stone rolls away. And the dead comes forth. As if to say to you and me and all the world, God is not done. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God of grace and glory, on your people pour your power and give us the courage to speak now and always. In your holy name we pray. Amen.